2: Welcome to the Rotowire Prospect Podcast, it's presented by FanDuel. Clay Link here with lead prospect writer James Anderson. Uh, thank you to New Day, N-E-U-D-A-E, at New Day Music on Twitter. We appreciate the song Lion Kings, uh, the intro that you heard to this podcast. And James, you wrote two articles last week. Don't have a new one up on the site, so this week we're just going to kind of bounce around the league, bounce around Major League Baseball and check in on how some of these young guys are doing before minor league games get underway what this weekend
1: uh yeah a lot of them are starting today and it's exciting but yeah i didn't i didn't do an article this week because there's just really nothing to write about i mean Mm -hmm. i've talked so much about all these guys all off season it's just kind of let's go let's get this thing cracking and once they're kind of in the big leagues i sort of you know it's kind of like sending the kids off to college like i'm kind of like i'm aware of what's going on but I, it's not really stuff that i'm sort of honed in on like i'm I'm more interested in what's going on in in the minor leagues we got plenty of great people covering what's going on in the big leagues so uh yeah just kind of good good opportunity to sort of take the temperature of, of who's doing what so far
2: yeah i mean i would say like it's a one week where you can kind of put your feet up but i know that's not what you do here at work i mean you still got a ton on your plate but Good to maybe just breathe for a week before minor league games do get underway. A ton of off-season prep you put in, uh, getting everybody up to speed on the, the top prospects in the game. A lot of maintenance with that overall top 400. But again, we're going to be focusing on major league players. Some of these guys are still technically prospects because they haven't reached the uh, thresholds to technically graduate just yet. But uh, let's start with Joey Lucchesi And when I say his name, I always hear future in my head. Like, I don't do nothing to Ks. But um, anyway, he didn't look very good against the Brewers in his debut. I didn't think. I mean, after the first inning, he looked okay. But today, seven Ks, five really clean innings. Sounds like quite a few swings and misses. We know about the funky delivery. He hides the ball pretty well. But how, how sustainable is, is his success, do you think, at the big league level?
1: I think if you bet against a guy like this, you're going to be right more often than not. So it, it's certainly easy to just sort of fade someone like Luke Casey, uh, you know, minimal experience above high a, he was pretty old. I think he's like 24 right now. So it's not like he's been rushed relative to his age, but just not a guy that's, that's got a ton of innings under his belt in the upper levels. Uh, none of the secondary pitches, project to be plus offerings it's definitely a a left-handed deception command control type of package and sometimes guys like that can outshoot our projections on them just because it's it's sort of hard to put a grade on deception or a grade on just kind of confusing batters Uh, and and he definitely is capable of doing that on any given start from here on out i mean whenever a player faces a guy like this for the first time especially left-handed hitters it's very possible that they they struggle but i just i would not go out there and and start blowing your fab on him or rushing to to add him in like a really shallow league he's obviously probably already owned in in your deeper formats but i don't i mean he's not a guy that i think is going to be all that useful in 15 team mixed leagues over the course of the season if you pick your spots there's going to be times where it's going to work out but uh, I still would expect the ERA to be ov- over four, uh whip probably over one three, uh, if I'm being honest, and, and definitely not a, a strikeout printing.
2: Yeah, I think those are very fair. I mean, decent you know, in today's game and those fifteen teamers, um I mean those take those that. kind of ratios will yeah. play, yeah. But we haven't seen him outside of color or outside of San Diego yet, and he does go to Colorado next. So yeah, that's definitely a spot that you want to avoid. I did shell out twelve in our eighteen-team stake league. So I feel like you were subtweeting me there a little bit when uh, you said you shouldn't shell out their fab money. But well, no, there, look, there was look. Hey, hey <laughs> no, I mean that
1: that's a format where he absolutely should have been owned. Uh, I'd love to know what the second highest bid was on him that week yeah, because I, I, that. I just don't think I don't think anyone was really breaking the bank. Uh, I shelled out seven for seth lugo and he's not even in the rotation so i can't really talk but um, he looks
2: awesome though it's a multi-inning reliever that could that could really pay off
1: i mean if if you get to eat a free steak every year for just rostering a few nice multi-inning relievers i'd I'd be an eater every year
2: <laughs> yeah we'll see i, I thought with lucasio i just needed some somebody to plug in it was like a two-star week because our our lineup periods go friday through uh thursday in that league and i Lost puck. You know, had Sandy Alcantara. Just needed to shake things up a little bit. You got Fab running. Yeah, shake it up. I uh, got Fab running in tonight. Got some pretty lofty bids out there. Oh, boy. Getting a little uh, aggressive. We'll see now. <laughs> I, <laughs> I need some pitching, that's for sure. I'm excited to get Eduardo Rodriguez back. Sounds like he may pitch this weekend, but I still need another arm or two. So looking to fill those gaps. Let's talk about another arm who's on the bump today. Yanni Chirinos. Kind of a bullpen game, but he actually made the most of his limited pitch count. I think he had five innings on like 60-some pitches. Pretty pretty impressive effort against the Red Sox, no less, in Boston. Seems like they are pretty committed to this format and rotation, but even if it is technically these bullpen games that Trinos is starting, uh, he could be pretty useful.
1: Yeah, my my buddy Josh Katzenstein, who's in the the wire Dynasty Invitational, was... Asking what I thought of Chirinos before the start, he went out and added him, and he was like, he comes back to me after the start. He's like, hey, Johnny Chirinos. I was really like, nice. yeah. Well, I mean, how are you going to predict that a guy throws fifty four pitches and gets through five innings? Like, there's
2: or, only fifty four. <laughs> yeah. Uh,
1: like I, it's he's a weird pitcher. Where if I'm his fantasy owner, I think I want them pulling him after the second time through the order. Like a lot of times you you want your starter to get as many innings as possible like get them a better chance to qualify for the win and stuff but I think the Rays know what they're doing with this piggyback rotation plan I mean a guy like Chirinos can be successful lots of guys can be successful turning over a big league lineup a couple times it's it's that third time through that kind of makes or breaks whether you're a legitimate starter and you know, if you're not, you can still usually get three or four innings, and Chirinos is probably going to be able to do that. Uh, so I think if you kind of treat him as sort of a Chad, Chad Green, Josh Hader type of guy who technically is getting starts, but is not someone who, in your your plan, is really going to be contributing wins. Like, I think if you get five or six wins from Chirinos on the season, that should be considered uh, pretty good. Uh, Return on your investment. I think he's more of a ratios strikeouts play because you you know that he's probably not going to have too many true blow up outings um, just by the nature of the the way they're going to use him. Uh, A guy that I didn't have ranked inside my top four hundred coming into the year just because I didn't think he was going to be a starting pitcher. I did not foresee this sort of plan of attack the Rays are using with him. Uh, being a sustainable thing but a, a, it very well maybe. so i i moved him in he's in the 200 to 300 range now just because he's a guy that's going to be added now in, in a lot of 15 team leagues i think
2: yeah i think you know i was looking at our three leagues that run fab tonight and i think he's owned in every one of them i was lucky enough to get him in, in labor and just having a guy like that to anchor ratios is is big and in those deeper leagues for sure and I saw Brent Honeywell tweeting about how he's like a major league guy. Like, he's just a really good person. Sounds like the makeup is, is what you want, too. There was Yanni Chirinos. And, yeah, with the bullpen usage there in Tampa Bay, I do think that's the wave of the future. And we've already seen that trend developing with more innings out of the bullpen, relying less on your starters to get you through that order three times. I do think Gabe Kapler is going a little overboard, though. He's uh, overthinking it a little bit. So yeah, I pulled Nick Pavetta today. <clears throat> wouldn't let him get through six, even though he would struck out nine and allowed like four hits.
1: <laughs> I did actually didn't know that he pitched that well. I think I have him going.
2: Yeah, hey, pitched a, really well.
1: Got him going somewhere, so that's that's good to see. Uh I mean, you're a big Pavetta guy. Well, look, is <laughs> uh, I don't, definitely don't want.
2: I'm kidding. You're not.
1: Um, definitely don't misconstrue that. I I have him some places, <laughs> but definitely don't want to be labeled as a big Pavetta guy. I mean, I I don't know. I I think today it's fine. You know, you get five and two thirds out of him. I mean, that they haven't blown the game yet.
2: Just let him get through six. It's one more out. I don't know. I guess he got booed. He's at ninety seven
1: pitches. All right. I don't know. I
2: guess he got booed like crazy. I That's that's definitely less. Um, it's, le- it's less it's uh, less ridiculous ridiculous than
1: like the Aaron Nola no, one. That's uh, so stupid. Yeah, I I think I think more of the stuff that. Gabe Kapler's trying is going to end up looking smart than uh, stupid at the end of the year, but he he's obviously going to make some mistakes, and I just hope everyone's just a little bit more patient with him. I mean, it's, it's a long season. Uh,
2: yeah, I I agree with you generally. I will say that the, that him trying to bring in a bullpen or bring in a reliever that oh yeah, was not warmed up was just inexcusable. That's I've the, never seen anything like that. That's it. like
1: pure incompetence, yeah. right? Um I mean you're it's not crazy
2: gonna, too. I was watching that. And like his his stroll to the mound was just so confident. And then like he just has the ball, just kind of standing there, then he just looks out at the bullpen and then it cuts to commercials It was really like weird. Really getting caught
1: with your pants down. Yeah. Uh <laughs> exactly. What do you what do you think of the Scott Kingery usage so far? It's he started at his fourth different position today up in the 3 hole.
2: Yeah, saw that he was up in the 3 hole and in right field.
1: Yeah, so now he started in actually I don't think he started in left field. I think he moved to left field one game, but he's he started at uh shortstop, third base and right field. He's played left field. So I think I mean, it's really kind of working out perfectly from a fantasy standpoint because you already have the second base eligibility, and I think we're on track for him probably to gain eligibility at third base, probably at shortstop as well, and the outfield all probably by the all-star break. I think that his playing time is going to be spread out that much unless Mike Franco just completely goes into the tank and he just starts playing every day at third base or something. But uh, that's that's really encouraging because having flexibility with a guy like that, especially at those positions, like sometimes you'll get a guy with first base outfield eligibility or something like that. And it's not super valuable or you'll get like Austin Barnes qualifying at second base. Like that's not super valuable, but a guy that can qualify at second base shortstop and third base, like that's what makes someone like young Harris Solarte or Marwin Gonzalez so intriguing. And I think that that's, probably what's going to happen with Kingery this season
2: yeah I think that's really well put a a guy like this who can hit and steal some bags hit for some power that you can move around is super valuable I do well I know he's been playing for the most part the season you know starting but I do think you know this is a guy that you just shouldn't have on your bench and I know Chris was making the point on the exemption the other day just generally and throughout the league not just with the Phillies but uh, a lot of like rest days for these really talented young players when there should be, you know, if your best player is healthy, you play him for 155 games. Um,
1: you know, yes, yes, and no. I think this is a trend in general that I think is going to kind of skew further and further away from what Liss wants there. I think that you know it's something that in in the NBA has been a thing over the past like 4 or 5 years where teams have really stressed strategic rest days for even their best players and you know I, I know a lot of old school people will just be like what you guys can't play a game like every single day like what like what's going on here but uh i i definitely buy that getting a a day off each week even if you're a, a really good player probably is good for you long-term and i mean they're in way better shape than i am but you know you when you exert yourself in like a physical activity one day you're you're a little you're, you know you're yeah. a little tired the next day like i said
2: that to you before we recorded <laughs> we played hoops yeah. last night and i'm sore as hell yeah
1: um so i think it it's similar it's act. not the end of the world if you sit a guy like Kingery or whoever, uh, once a week or once every two weeks. And I don't think it's going to spiral out of control to where everyone's just sitting like every other day or anything like that. Uh, But I do think that this is going to be a trend where you're kind of just hoping for five games each week from a fantasy perspective. If you get five starts from an offensive player you plugged in, unless they're just somebody that's known for playing every day i think you should be happy with that so yeah just because kingery's not going to play every single day doesn't mean you should start an inferior option who might play every day
2: yeah you make a lot of really good points it is a crazy long grind of a season and it's impossible for me to put myself in their shoes and say oh they should be out there for 155 games just from a fantasy standpoint you know it is a selfish desire yeah to have these guys out there but for in kingery's case Especially with these early off days in the season, makes him kind of a, a tough guy to deploy like in the the half weeks in the NFBC.
1: Yeah, but you know, I I already got myself in trouble by um well, I didn't really get myself in trouble. I, Kingery still hasn't stolen a base or He did today. Or did he? He stolen today. All right. Um, I had him on
2: my bench <laughs> in the main event. I started main event online um, champion.
1: Well, when they let us in, you'll put him on your bench in the main event. <laughs> um I think I started my boy Jed Lowry over him in uh, was that TGFBI maybe or, or maybe it was uh, the, my online championship or something like that. But yeah, I mean, you really just got to kind of go with go with your studs. I mean, if you if you believe that Kingery going to get you know fifteen to twenty home runs, twenty plus steals, just don't don't mess around with it you know it's you you're not going to get all those if you bench him every now and then like you if you want to get all his steals then you should just leave him in there
2: yeah that's uh i'm gonna have to make that switch i had him and belt on my bench nice belt <laughs> I had a heck of a game yesterday <laughs> i hate when you make unforced errors this early in the season you know it's just ugh, it's a bad bad look but you know so many leagues that it's bound to happen but when you're already kicking yourself one week into the season for certain decisions, uh, it's painful. Better to better to like
1: accidentally sit a guy who has a good week and play someone that is healthy and maybe doesn't have as good of a week than to like miss on a fab period or something
2: like that. Yeah, or I mean, like cut a guy who's yeah. had a slow week. Yeah, I'm with you there. Missing a fab period, I've learned is you know anyone. Any one of the 26 fab periods is just a big no-no. you just got to give yourself the best chance to win by at least getting in and keeping guys honest with certain bids. But let's talk about another. I mean, we talked about uh, Kingery, but we also talked about some lower-level guys. One one more guy who wasn't a a big prospect by any means, but three-homer game this week out of nowhere, Christian Villanueva for the Padres, now batting fifth in that order for them. Uh, bumping Carlos Asuaje down. I was, uh, thought he might be a, an anchor They're in the heart of the order. But Villanueva, I, I would imagine that three-homer game is kind of giving them the edge at third. I know Spangenberg can move around a little bit. Um, but how much are you buying in on, on this guy? I mean, we saw last year that you know if you, if you waited and, and waited for more proof on guys like Justin Smoke and some other big boppers, uh, you missed out. So is it... Is it a time where you'd recommend jumping in and trying to give Villanueva?
1: I think you have to jump in and get him in deeper leagues. Uh, he's he's rocking the the awesome 300 average zero BABIP right now because all all of his hits have gone <laughs> over the fence. So hasn't been anything That's in play. That's a baller move. I like that. Uh, I mean, so 15-team league. Let's... Let's just start there. I think in like our stake league, or deeper leagues like that, NL only's, he's obviously should be owned. Uh, what about a 15-team mixer with, uh, let's say it's TGFBI and you have five bench spots?
2: So I'm filling in for Jan Levine on NL Fab this weekend. I started working on that today and Villanova was the first guy I threw in the document and I didn't didn't settle on a price yet, but I'm thinking 15-team leagues... I mean, three homer games, yeah. I mean, Matt Davidson had one. Really not investing much in him. But
1: Would you rather have Villanueva than Matt Davidson in a 15-team league?
2: Probably, just because I haven't seen Villanueva struggle. You you haven't seen the amount of suck
1: that (laughs) Matt Davidson's displayed. The
2: pure (laughs) suck. The batting average (laughs) suck. Uh, I mean, the play discipline with Davidson last year was atrocious. Maybe if there were changes there, something... reasonable 30 homers with like a 240 average could be within reach but I think Villanueva I just haven't seen him struggle so much I think I'd take him and if that's the case maybe I'd say up to 10% of your budget in a 15 team league that's fair might not be enough to land him but 10% man that's a lot I I was
1: I was thinking like You know, maybe throw out like a if it's like a thousand bucks of okay. Say it's a hundred bucks worth of fab. I was thinking maybe you could throw out like three or four bucks for him. The question is, it's like in a fifteen team league. If you really need a guy like Villanueva, that just tells me you had a crappy draft, and (laughs)
2: like like you shouldn't. Well, you've had some injuries. Maybe maybe you drafted Justin Turner or somebody. Sure. Yeah, I guess I'm not going
1: to end up with him. I don't think anywhere. I might. I might throw a buck or two at him in TGFBI or something like that. I I'm not going to bid on him in like the NFBC online championship, which is a 12 team league. No, I me just, neither. I don't yeah. think he belongs rostered in a format like that. I think in 15 teamers, you make a really good point though. Like the I need more proof type of fantasy managing. It's just going to result in you missing on all those guys. Yeah, every and, one of them. And so it's it wouldn't be the craziest thing in the world if Christian Villanueva went out and hit 25 homers this year with like a 270 average. Like that's something that could happen. I don't think it's going to happen. I think but in, that, this,
2: in this juice ball era, it's not out of the question. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I just think that the. I mean, if you're just going based on what he did at triple a last year that was a 25 year old in the pcl so just be be careful if you're overreacting to just wow he was he was awesome at triple a last year it's like yeah i mean he probably should have been awesome so mm-hmm. i'm st- i'm probably fading <coughs>
2: excuse
1: me a batting average over 250 i, I think that he's going to probably settle more in that sort of 235-240 range and then it's just a question of whether it's 15 homers or 25 homers I mean if it's if it's 25 homers and like a 245 average that that'll play in in a 15 team league
2: yeah absolutely I think it's just a ph- philosophical <coughs> thing too I'm willing to open up the wall a little bit more not go too crazy but a little bit more at this portion of the season because I think Obviously, the players you get now will have the greatest impact on your team with so much time remaining, and there just may not be as good of buying opportunities down the road. I think it has to bank on that.
1: It definitely has to depend on who you're dropping, though, too, because like you don't, if somebody that you liked two weeks ago has like one or two hits at this point in the season, I mean, I, I don't think you should be willing to cut bait for a guy like Villanueva necessarily just because he's had the hotter start to the year like Mm -hmm. you might end up dropping someone for Villanueva just because of this hot start who ends up having a significantly better rest of the season because you're not getting those three home runs like you're you're getting what he does from now on Mm -hmm. and if you have a guy that's struggling that you believed in before the season then his best best baseball is probably ahead of him
2: yeah and that is a really good point just about keep an eye on the drops in your league oh yes going through the stake league drops uh, really opened my eyes (laughs) You definitely like six to midnight in April, in April,
1: uh, and May, I'm always just really combing through the drops because that's where guys, guys like Rich Hill got dropped a couple years ago in our stake league because he had like a, a rough couple starts, like guy, good players like Zach Davies, uh, Jimmy Nelson got dropped. Both of those guys got dropped last year. Cody um, Bellinger, yeah, Cody Cody Bellinger. Like a lot of a lot of studs get dropped early because people are so anxious. Like it it almost feels bad if you're sitting there not acting, mm-hmm. and so you just want to feel like you're doing something to make your team better. So you see a guy out there, you want to go get him, and you're like, "Well, I guess I'll drop this guy." And you got to be careful.
2: Yeah. Time for some more prospects stashing. <laughs> See how that plays out tonight, but a quick note, what's better than fantasy sports? The future of fantasy sports. The Fantasy Gold team is bringing you just that. Welcome to draftdaily.com. It's crypto, it's currency, it's sports. Draftdaily.com is the new standard in the fantasy sports industry with almost non-existent fees, 100% trackable transactions, and 0% risk of chargebacks. We're taking the industry by storm. Making the game we all love both safer and cheaper to play uh, to play. We have brought fantasy sports and blockchain technology together to create the ultimate user experience and platform, draftdaily.com. On draftdaily.com, our users can play with uh, without worry and without fees digging into their profits. Draftdaily.com, incru- introducing cryptocurrency to the masses. What better way to do that than to merge crypto with fantasy sports? On draftdaily.com, you play with and win cryptocurrency. Secure your place in history. Play on draftdaily.com today, where players in the game they love are the focus. Draftdaily.com. Let's talk about Shohei Otani, James. What a turnaround in terms of public perception with him since the end of spring training. I got laughed at for buying him at in tout head to head at like seventeen bucks. Well, how do you like me now? No, I, I don't get any of those hitting stats. Uh, I did have two homers, including that one off Kluber. Uh, Otani-san, I, I'm really loving watching this kid. I mean, he's already one of my favorite guys to watch when he's on. I'll you know, jump on the MLB TV and, and change it when I see he's up to up to bat. And looking forward to seeing what he does in his second start. But uh, let's focus primarily right now on the the pitching. What did you see from him and his uh, repertoire in his first start?
1: He's just beyond nasty. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just I'm trying to like which which pitchers do you think have comparable stuff to him in the big leagues? Um, like Cindergard.
2: Jeez, yeah, I guess.
1: Uh, I mean, Scherzer's stuff still is pretty yeah, nasty. Yeah. Um, it's I mean, Sales is obviously nasty uh kind of like garrett cole a little bit it's just it's almost like all of his pitches just have a little extra movement than should be legal <laughs> like it's just wow how did that pitch do that like oh. I've, I've never seen a guy
2: that sinker
1: Ugh, so disgusting really nice uh, that slider is just disgusting yeah. um i mean if you ended up with otani in a keeper league dynasty league you should be very happy you should uh be able to breathe a sigh of relief. I know that there were probably some times during spring training where you were second-guessing yourself. But he's going to be really, really special. It looks like he's going to be special on the mound and at the plate. Mm. Uh, but, yeah, I think you're right to focus this on the mound. This is going to be like an all-time just sort of bitterness of fantasy owners not being able to get credit for his home runs all season because you're you're never – do you, do you see it getting to the point where you would de- deploy him as a hitter over a pitcher in CBS?
2: Um maybe if he has like a really tough matchup. Yeah. Even then, like if it's just like a road matchup somewhere bad. Like I mean, say
1: what what if he's uh what if he's pitching what if he's facing the Astros on one start?
2: Huh. Um that's a good question. And it's a
1: seven it's a seven game week so you might be able to get so I might get two starts? No, so you might get, like, four DH starts or something like
2: okay. that. <clears> okay. <throat> um, man, it's just the fact that we haven't had a regular season, he was so good. Right now, I'd probably just want to keep him on the pitching side because yeah. I, I think those wins, the Ks, are probably more valuable. I think so. Right now, just given everybody's producing offensively, but –
1: it's other just other more games. scary like what he does on the mound is tougher yeah. to get like yeah. you can there are guys, there are plenty of guys that went outside the top 100 that probably should be able to best his his hitting production this season but like what he does on the mound is just so unique um but it is going to be tough like owning him and just seeing all these home runs and just not being able to get anything for it but that's that's the way it goes Uh I'm just the one thing with him the whole time has just been how many innings is he gonna throw this year, and I don't think i I definitely didn't have reservations in terms of the per star production. I still think it's gonna be iffy as to whether he goes over hundred and sixty innings this year, and that'll probably determine whether he was a solid buy in most drafts. There was that period towards the end of spring training where you could get him at a discount to where. All you really need is 140, 150 innings for it to be mm-hmm. well, well worth it. But I think in most leagues, the price that it took to get him, you're going to need 160 plus innings.
2: Yeah, I just to touch on the the hitting side real quick before we move on. I did see like some side by side videos of his swing now versus spring training. It doesn't seem like he quieted that uh, that kind of wind up, kind of eliminated the full uh, leg kick, and just kind of went with a kind of shorter toe tap type of mechanism seemed to be working well Kluber tried to sneak that fastball in and he turned it around had a pretty nice little bat flip too recommend checking out that call in Japanese if you get a chance they have it on MLB at bat app pretty damn cool but let's talk about Jesse Winker not a great start for roto purposes but he is getting on base at a nice clip four walks already see he's back down in the six hole today against the lefty Uh, this will crop continue to be the case where he's lower against lefties maybe on the bench a couple times a week but thankfully it does seem brian price is on board with leading him off against most right handers but where are you at with winker at this point just uh, given the uncertainty with the power and the playing time
1: i don't really think anything has changed about his value i think that he's probably playing about as much as could be expected the leading off against righties thing was something that i think you and i thought was more likely than i think a lot of people just because of how not really necessarily winker but just because of how bad billy hamilton is atop the order and that winker seemed like the next best option
2: still no steals for billy by the way
1: yeah that's that'll sort itself out The, the nice thing about billy is he'll he'll have some game here where he steals three in a game and you'll just, everyone will forget about it. Mm-hmm. Uh It just, I think it sucks that Winker can't get every day at bats. Uh You know, I think it's, if you're sitting him just for like rest purposes, that'd be one thing, but I think they're sitting him just because of platoon purposes. And to me, he's just, he's got the upside as a hitter to where I, I want to max out, I want to give him a shot to prove he can hit lefties with 100 plate appearances this season. And yeah, you got
2: to do your best to evaluate him this year.
1: Yeah, like, who gives a crap if, if Adam Duvall has to sit more than he wants to sit? Like, I don't, I don't think you should be factoring that in as an organization. Like Adam Duvall is not going to be on the next good Reds team. Uh, Jesse Winker will be. Hmm. So you, you need to be figuring out what he's capable of against lefties.
2: Completely agree with you there. We got to take a quick break. We'll be right back with you. But a quick word from our sponsor. All right, James. Let's talk about Jack Flaherty. Sent down, but really it was a pretty impressive effort against the Brewers. I know there's been some talk that the fastball velocity was actually down a decent amount, but it didn't seem to matter because that breaking ball was well located. A lot of, a lot of chases on that pitch. Down right now with Wainwright returning. It's stupid, but seniority matters, I guess. Major League Baseball. So Wayne writes back. For now, when do you expect to see Flaherty? And is he worth holding on to in a fifteen-team league?
1: I think I'd rather have Flaherty than uh, Lucchese or Yanni Chirinos.
2: Yeah, same.
1: So, I mean, that's he's kind of that next level up on those guys. Like those guys are nice sort of filler. You know they're going to be pitching. You're not expecting a ton. But with Flaherty, I think that's a guy I still expect to pitch over 120 innings in the big leagues this year, and I I think they're going to be pretty solid innings, and he might might even flirt with winning nine or ten games. So to me, that gives him the edge over those types of guys. What about if now that he's down, I think it's more fun to just kind of say Jack Flaherty or Walker Bueller.
2: Ooh, that's a good one. I like both of them. Got my eye on both, <laughs> uh, both leagues. Uh, but, man, I think I'll go Flaherty just because I think you'll get more innings out of him. I do think you'll get maybe 120, 130 out of Walker Bueller, and maybe the per-game numbers are better. But I think we'd be looking at 150 with Flaherty, even though he's down right now.
1: Yeah, I might not go quite that high on the innings for either guy, but I do think that's the that's the gap. I think it's about a twenty to thirty inning gap. Uh, I who well what, who which which rotation do you think is easier to break into now that Wainwright's back? Is it St. Louis or
2: L.A.? That's another one, good one. Because Hyunjin Ryu looked atrocious. Yeah, Hyunjin Ryu looks bad. Ten base runners in three and two-thirds. The
1: Dodgers, everything the Dodgers have done over the past, like, year suggests that they would be
2: totally fine with Kentomaida Maeda in the bullpen. And they're off to a really bad start, too. Really <laughs> bad. Like, I know that doesn't mean much, but, I mean, I think they may need some help sooner than expected. I Yeah, I
1: that's kind of where I was going with this. is I, I sort of think it's just, with Flaherty, it's just going to be a matter of, like, when does someone get hurt? Whereas Bueller, I think, could come up without someone getting hurt, mm-hmm. and just they might just be like, "He's he's our third best starter. He's our fourth best starter. We got to get him in there." And I think Flaherty, to be fair, is is one of the Cardinals' four best starters. But they they have egos to manage and stuff. I don't think you have to worry about managing Yen Jin Ryu's ego <laughs> all that much. Uh, so yeah, I, that's. I might lean Bueller there just because I think we see him first. And then, you know, whoever picks Flaherty up this week might end up dropping him two weeks from now or three weeks from now if he's not back up.
2: Yeah. I would just keep an eye out on your league because if he has dropped, I think you should pounce on that. I ended up picking up Joe Musgrove in a league last Ooh. couple of leagues last week and hey. thought, hey, got a good matchup against the Red. Uh, <laughs> turns out he's hurt again. So that's <laughs> always fun, though, like the post. Actually, I think it may have come out before lineups locked, but I didn't see it until after the game started on Monday. So that was pretty annoying. Um, but let's move on to another prospect here. Miguel Andahar got the call to the Bronx, but batting ninth today behind Tyler Austin, Tyler Wade. We saw the kind of spring Miguel Andahar had and I was pretty pumped when I heard him get the call up because I thought, man, he could play quite a bit, be pretty productive in that lineup, but he hasn't really been playing much since getting the call. Now, when he does get the start today, he's stuck in that nine hole in redraft leagues. Is, is he a guy that you want to pick up right now or do you maybe want to wait until later in the year when you feel better about the playing time?
1: I mean, it in I don't think he should be owned in redraft 15 teamers and I think in a in a 17 or 18 team league I think it's kind of borderline uh he probably he should be owned by someone in a 17 or 18 team league it doesn't necessarily mean he should be owned by you if you've got a good bench uh it's really frustrating like I have Andahar and Ryan McMahon uh, both in in uh, our NFBC Arizona First Pitch League, and it's just like, can I even like play these guys? Like they're they're just not playing enough, uh, or not playing as much as I'd I'd like them to be playing. And it's it's tough. I think that you could. I, I definitely like McMahon more than Andujar right now for redraft leagues, but. Yeah, it's it's not a good situation. The the healthier the Yankees get, the less playing time there's going to be for him, theoretically. So I think you can cut bait with him in, in an awful lot of mixed redraft leagues. Uh,
2: another guy that I have to ask you about, and another guy that's uh, not doing much for my RDI team right now, but Ryan McMahon. And I seriously feel like maybe in light of this McMahon handling early on, that the Rockies have leaped, to the top of the dumbest teams, true. I mean, what are they doing? Were they not there? I mean, they were there, but I kind of had Seattle up there. Yeah, uh, maybe a couple other teams, the Reds. No, they've been all right. But
1: I mean, the yeah, it's it's sort of that's Baltimore. a that's, that's a great. I mean, yeah, the the Mets, the Baltimore. Yeah, that's all all good options. Uh, Tigers, plenty to choose from. Um, yeah, I don't I don't get it, man. I I don't. I don't know why McMahon's even up if he's going to be playing this much. Hmm. Like, I'd rather him be playing every day in the PCL than getting, like, one start every three or four days. And
2: Do you think they do just send him down once the season starts, the minor league season?
1: They might. I mean, I don't know. It, it's it's annoying. I You probably have to start him in, in certain leagues just because he's playing just enough. And they're finally going to Colorado this week. That would suck. That would be classic, though, if uh, he got set down, like, right after lineups locked on, like, Monday or something like that.
2: It'll happen. You can <laughs> bank on that. Uh, quick note before we move on. Baseball fans, sp- this, uh, this read is outdated, so um, we'll move on for now. James, what else are you seeing at the big league level right now that uh, has opened your eyes a little bit?
1: I mean, I think Colin Moran looks pretty good in Pittsburgh, uh, which is which is good to see. Uh, I don't know what to make of the power long term or even short term, but I think he's he's going to hit for a high enough average that that'll be a net positive for your fantasy team, and he's playing a lot, so I, I like that. Uh, Jordan Hicks looks pretty good, but yeah, does. I I don't think he's going to be getting saves i think that that he's kind of in their sort of josh Hader, chad green type of role where he's just dominant in and he can go get you four or five outs so i i get rostering him but i don't think he's really in that mix for saves just yet
2: could be until holland i forget when holland's being activated but leon blew that save i don't think it's out of the question like in the the immediate future
1: yeah, I mean, I think that. Yeah, I mean, they have they have Tyler Lyons though too. I I just wouldn't bet on it being Hicks right away. He's got he's got the stuff to close. There's no doubt about that. It's just, would you rather him be closing or would you rather him be getting uh, more than three outs earlier in the game in high leverage spots? I think that that's probably more appealing right now.
2: Um, yeah. I, I got him in, the I think, the third round of the Staff Keeper League auction. Just couldn't pass him up there I, just because of the long-term, the possibility that long-term he is a closer and maybe a dominant one.
1: Oh, yeah. There, it's a totally different calculus in yeah. Dynasty Leagues, Keeper Leagues, because I think you're right. I, I, that prediction I made before the year about him having the highest ADP of any Cardinals reliever next year I think is is on track to look pretty good. I think that that's definitely where this is headed. I just don't know if it's headed there quite yet. And on a related note, don't panic if you have AJ Minter and are worried that he hasn't struck anyone out through three innings. It's three innings.
2: Okay, yeah, that's a good call. I was getting a little nervous about David Robertson because he didn't have a strikeout yet either, but it is three innings. And it's cold. The Yankees have been playing pretty much nonstop in the cold so uh we'll see. But uh, Jordan Hicks versus Robertson Those a real exciting either or, but, Uh just for single season leagues. Uh I'll go Hicks. Yeah. Okay. I don't think I like those middle relievers, you, you know, they're pretty valuable but uh, you have to limit yourself. You can't have five middle relievers on your team.
1: That's I mean that's my um that's my current recipe right now in uh <laughs> in SKL3. Maybe it'll pay off. It's just like uh What where do you see like in in say three years, what do you think is gonna be the ideal uh makeup of a fantasy pitching staff? Because right now I think it's kinda like you want six starters, maybe two closers and one middle reliever?
2: Yeah, I'd say th- Probably two middle relievers, two closers,
1: five starters. Yeah, five starters. Yeah, I think that that's, and that's kind of where I'm at in one league right now. And it's, it's a little, it's, it's a little too early in the game for
2: that. You're out ahead of the curve. That might be. I just don't think you can
1: compete in wins like that.
2: Well, maybe not. But what you can do is maybe over the first two months, just build yourself up a great uh, ratios base and then get in a little bit more. Maybe, uh, I don't, I think this is a possibility. Maybe. The commissioner's office decides to change the baseball back, and then when they run out of the new ones around midseason, then you go streaming because I mean, <laughs> environment will be less favorable for hitters. Why would they change it back, though? Because it's getting ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, it's fun. I mean, everybody likes the long ball. It's actually probably good for the game, but, I mean, they're putting up <laughs> historical totals yeah. right now, and everything's kind of getting thrown out of whack.
1: One guy I got asked about, who I hadn't really paid any mind to but he's off to a a heck of a start is uh Preston Tucker not a not a prospect coming into the year but uh, he exhausted that status with Houston back in 2016 but do you think Preston Tucker once Acuna's up could press a guy like Nick Markakis for playing time and be useful in mixed leagues or do you think this is just a a hot start that's going to fizzle out
2: i'd lean toward the latter i mean i don't think he's going to be a big difference maker in the end maybe but i think nick marcak is not exciting but he's pretty consistent when acuna comes up he won't have to be in such a prominent run producing type of role probably a better fit being kind of the, the fire starter in the second half of that order so um certainly not out of the question you probably want to hold for now but i i do think he's probably a guy you're going to be dropping uh come mid to late may myself but i do finally have this read i finally found the right one uh with baseball season comes fandle offering the most exciting ways to play fantasy baseball no matter what you're looking for fandle the excitement of fantasy baseball without the full season grind something for everyone tons of different contests and formats to choose from starting at just 25 cents pick a contest choose your team. Enjoy watching your results in real time, James. You took down the Rotowire contest uh, yesterday. Nice work there. The free roll and you, listeners, you can be part of the FanDuel Rotowire Baseball Championship as well. We have six qualifying contests between four uh, four and six thirteen. Top three scores count. Place in the top twenty five, and you'll reach the Rotowire Championship. Get your shot at taking down Mean Zine. Uh, one of the better DFS players in the office, actually. Uh, and a lot of different variations, smaller rosters, ALNL only, etc. Truly something for everybody. Play against your friends for bragging rights or play against the public for millions in cash prizes. To take advantage of our special offer for new users, sign up today at FanDuel.com slash RW. You'll get a free six-month Rotowire subscription, which will help give you all the tools you need to be successful with your first deposit on Fanduel, just visit fandle.com slash rw void where prohibited just want to ask you about one more player you mentioned preston tucker being a former stro i want to ask you about a current stro and Derek fisher because he's getting a lot of run right now but how long do you see that lasting uh looks
1: pretty good i i like Derek fisher i, I think that he's kind of a forgotten man in certain circles but if he was still prospect eligible I'd probably have him in the top 20 I think he's about as good a prospect as Lewis Brinson is and it's just a matter of can he hit long enough or can he hit over a long enough stretch to kind of fend off a guy like Kyle Tucker who's who's definitely coming at some point um he's striking out a lot so that's not not great but Definitely. If you, if you have if you have a guy like Derek Fisher, he's not someone I'm cutting loose. I think he's out there in my RotoWire online championship league, which is a 12 teamer. That's that's kind of iffy. I'm, I, I might leave him out there in that format, but in a 15 teamer, I think he absolutely has to be owned just because he's he's got so much upside in the power and speed department.
2: Well, great stuff, James. We appreciate the insight. Um, time to kick off the list. My list. Still shaking off the rust, still trying to get at bats, but I'm ready to unveil number 20. What about you?
1: Yeah, I think uh, this will be a good one.
2: Yeah, and I think we both have woo features kicking off our uh, top 20 collabs, and that may be a common three, uh, common theme throughout both lists. I have
1: a <laughs> Just guys from Wu-Tang Clan hopping on other tracks and, yeah. and that, that making the cut. I was expecting that to be uh i i expect there to be you know over under i would put it at like nine and a half of your songs are going to (laughs) have some sort of a woo presence
2: yes very heavy woo presence um look
1: you get a woo member you
2: get a woo member on a a track (laughs) it's gonna up that track i mean if it's a 40 grade track you got a woo member it's plus 10 Just automatically, I I think
1: that that's. I mean, that might even be a conservative estimate.
2: Yeah, I would agree. So my choice is Skewed on the Barbie Outcast, featuring Rayquan. A really nice mix of two worlds. You know, you got the East Coast, a flavor with with Rayquan, combined with that Southern, Cadillac. Southern, what's the name of that album? Southern Playlist of Cadillac Music.
1: Southern Uh, Cadillac. Uh, funky music or something like that yeah,
2: right. that was a hell of an album too by the way I've heard that L-Cast practice their raps on a treadmill so they, they could say them so quick which is understandable because they're both really fast really good and this one skewed on the barbie from the Equemini album such a good song top to bottom the Raekwon verse oh man just so so good um I really don't know. I have a whole lot to add aside from if you haven't seen the video, go check that out. I know that's on YouTube. Play this in the ride on a road trip sometime. Turn it up because this one still bangs, really holds up today. Could have been higher on the list, maybe. But I thought, you know, I knew this was making the list. I still have some moving parts up in the top ten. Knew it wasn't going to quite... Crack the top 10 so i'm fine settling it uh here knowing that it is does make the list but um couldn't budget up any higher
1: who do you think has the best verse on that track
2: you know i love the first one i'm not going to say the opening line but i love that first andre 3000 line but that the ray verse i mean it's just so classic ray i think this yeah. was. it's very classic yeah ray. i think this was maybe when ray <laughs> was at his at his peak quite honestly
1: yeah that's you know not gonna spoil well i am gonna spoil so i mean that 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 track is gonna make my top 20 it's not right here but uh that was actually one of the songs i was listening to when i came up with the idea of us doing a top 20 collabs Mm -hmm. just because it's it was such a great pairing of getting one of the best guys from wu-tang on a outcast track back in
2: both both artists peak uh yeah, Hell was, of a track, you know. The east coast southern doesn't always mix that well. No, like Ray had an out actually kind of like the song, but it's not like a classic like I might think it would be in like 2005 or something. But Ray had a little Wayne feature on his latest album. Something it's so, to me it doesn't click to
1: me. Something about Outkast, though, <clears throat> it's not like your standard southern true sound. It's it's kind of Outkast is kind of just its own sound, it's not necessarily. And and this Very is probably point. even more true when you get to like Quemani and uh, Stanconia, where it's it's technically southern, but it's just it just it's outcast. It's not necessarily southern, so that's probably why it works so well. Uh, so my Wu Tang feature is all East Coast. It's uh, Gangstar featuring Inspectah Deck above the clouds off of the Moment of Truth album, classic album.
2: Uh, yeah, that'll be on my list as well.
1: This is... It's kind of a weird feature in that it doesn't feel like a feature. Like, it feels like Inspected Deck could just be part of Gangstar, the way that it just kind of flows together. Like, a lot of... Uh, and th- w- one thing I was thinking about just with hip-hop features is, like, what's the best type of feature? Is it—is it one where... You know, you sort of have a back and forth. Is it one where you have like five guys on a track and everyone gets their own verse? Like this one doesn't even feel like a feature to me. It just kind of feels like it was just meant to be. Like Inspector deck had to be on this track. And yeah, it's like
2: DJ Premier like started rap.
1: And it this is such a like DJ Premier's uh beat style is very uh, you you can pick it out right away, like when it's a it's a primo track. But this one specifically seems like it needed a Wu presence. Like it it's got it's it's sort of a RZA esque beat almost, but it's premiere. But like it it definitely could have fit in perfectly on a Wu Tang album. Like it doesn't feel like a super super like gangstar beat that Inspector Deck just happened to come in on it. It it's a beat that needed a Wu Tang member, and that's why I think it just flows perfectly uh one of the better inspected deck versus uh guru obviously crushes it
2: yeah i i love that song love the jfk intro to that um kind of a poignant quote from him to start that and then yeah it's really not a low point on that track and i'm not you know as much as i love the wu-tang inspecta not one of my favorites uh, his his solo work was not that impressive, but no. he he's kind of
1: he'll uh, have an amazing verse every yeah, now and then.
2: He can have some really good uh, featured verses, yeah.
1: Like he's got uh, is it is it triumph where he
2: might oh, have the best yeah, verse that uh, that first verse, yeah, yeah, that's insane.
1: I mean he he can he can bring it, but I mean you're right, like his his solo stuff doesn't doesn't stack up with the the top uh, the top guys from Wu Tang, but um, I mean he he closes out this track really well i would recommend not only listening to above the clouds but just that whole moment of truth album is it bangs from top to bottom um and that was probably peak gangstar and probably peak inspected Deck.
2: this uh select line from this ravers from uh, skewed on the barbie keep a watch froze lean on the yacht and wash clothes <laughs> i like it that first line though deliver this through your audio ghetto Mafioso. <laughs> so good if you haven't heard them shame on you go check out both of these tracks we'll be back with the number 19 songs on our list or top 20 hip-hop collaborations on all time of all time next week thanks for listening to the prospect podcast brought to you by FanDuel. talk to you guys soon.